take out your Bible and turn to Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 8 today. And church family, let me say, uh, we'll get used to this as much as we can. We don't want to get too used to it. Uh, but if you're in this building today, it is a very uh, awkward, somber uh, time. And I, I hope the same is true in your home because you would long to be here. Uh, but as we move forward, uh, we, we will make the best use of this time uh, each Lord's Day at 10 a.m. And uh, what we're going to do to begin things uh, during this time of quarantine is we're going to begin a sermon series, Witnesses in Quarantine. And we want to be equipped with the Word of God during this time where we are separated, uh, where we are in this really unique situation in our society, in our culture, even in history, where we uh, as Americans at this time are quarantined to our homes. Um, and as church members, we're, we're scattered. We're not gathered here right now. We are scattered throughout uh, our city, our county. And we want to use this time for the sake of the gospel. We want to be equipped with the word of God. Uh, because we know this, as we will continue to say, Christians throughout history, they have been exiled. They have been imprisoned. They have suffered. And yet the gospel continues to move forward. That's why we are uh, here and we're in our homes today with the word of God. Because the, the word of God has never been bound. And during this time, the word of God, the gospel, cannot and will not be quarantined. And I want to encourage you with that. And I want, uh, as your pastor, to equip you during this time. And so to, today, the, the first passage, the first text we're going to look at is in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Uh, if you would, uh, if you could, uh, read, I guess, <laughs> in reverence to the word of God uh, from Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Hear the word of Christ. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let's pray together. Oh God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the gospel. And God, thank you for your church. Even now, as we feel its preciousness in our life, thank you for that. God, thank you for all that you have done and are doing in the life of our church in these days. And God, we know and we trust Jesus to continue to act and move even during this time of quarantine. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. What better time to lead? Those were words from my friend this week, Brian McDowell. And if you if you know Brian, he is a phenomenal physician's assistant. Uh, and yet, even as this guy who is in the medical field, he has a very soldier-like mentality. He actually has that about everything that he does. He talks about discipline. He talks about wartime a lot. And this week, he, he was seeking to encourage me um, as you probably already noticed today, I, I'm struggling with this situation and uh, just trying to wrap my head around all that is going on. And one of the things Brian said to me this week is said, he said, what better time to be a leader? What, what, what better time uh, to, to be a pastor and a leader of a church during this time? 
Wouldn't you rather be known for, for leading a battalion in war rather than leading in a time of comfort? And something clicked in my mind when he said that. And I began to think, what warrior, what, what soldier, what, what leader really wants to lead in a time of comfort? The best leaders thrive in times of crisis. They're prepared for crisis. They embrace crisis moments. And as we think about history, what leader is really known for leading during times of status quo? When nothing's going on, when there's no problem, where there's no crisis, where there's no suffering. What, what leader is ever known for that? And I want to say to you today, church, what better time to be a church? Than this time. What, what better time. To be a witness for the sake of the gospel. And I've already seen that. This week in the life of our church. We, we have many leaders in our church. That God has prepared to witness during this time. And I've already seen so many of you this week. Uh, lead in your homes. Witness the gospel in your homes. Teachers, principals, business owners, fathers and mothers who, who are embracing these moments for the sake of the gospel. And you've encouraged me this week. And you've reminded me what better time to be Ashland Church during this time of quarantine. Consider all of the ministry over the last eight to nine years here. Consider all that God has done, 35 people meeting in the Richmond Art Center to 500 gathering in this building week after week. Consider the unity that we have as a church. Consider the joy in our fellowship. Consider all of the ministry that we've done over the last eight to nine years. Consider what it's like to enjoy worship here week after week and how God has bound our hearts together. And in these moments, as we long for those things, I want to encourage you, they haven't vanished. All that God has done here over the last eight to nine years, it hasn't gone away. It's prepared us for this exact moment. And these things undergird what God is doing through our church right now. Where you are in your home, where you will be this week. All that God has done here the last eight to nine years has prepared you for this moment. This is what Jesus teaches his disciples in Acts chapter one. Jesus here in this chapter, he brings his disciples to the moment he had been preparing them for the moment when he would leave. Imagine the last three years of the disciples lives. They had enjoyed fellowship with the flesh and blood word of God, Jesus, the Christ, God's son. They had gone to parties with the Savior. They had watched him teach multitudes. They had watched him and been with him as he went into homes of his friends and sat down and ate meals. They had watched him heal and teach the word of God. And then imagine the fear when Jesus is ripped from their midst as they're in the garden and he is betrayed with a kiss and he is taken away and he is brutally beaten. 
And, and imagine hearing the stories that people would tell them of Jesus being brutally nailed to a cross. Their friend, their mentor, their leader that they had lived with for the last three years. Imagine the loneliness. Imagine the despair of hearing the story of placing him in the tomb. And then imagine seeing him raised from the dead. And your friend, your mentor, your leader, he is back. And you're enjoying fellowship with him again, only to hear him say, he's leaving. He's leaving. And imagine how brokenhearted they would be. In Acts chapter 1, this is settling in with the disciples. And one of the things they say is, no, 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 Jesus, you're not going away again. Let's set up the kingdom now. Let, let's do it now. When will you set up the kingdom? And Jesus says, no, I've been preparing you to set up the kingdom without me. In a different way than you thought before. And, and maybe during these days, God has prepared us for this moment to set up the kingdom. To preach the kingdom. To see the kingdom move in our city, in our county, in a different way than we thought. You see, maybe we envision the next three months of gathering here and, and more and more people and continuing to grow and more and more people the way that we have before. And maybe Jesus is simply saying, hold on, stop. I'm going to show you that the kingdom moves in a different way during this time. A time when you're apart from one another. And Jesus tells his disciples that he has prepared them for this by his spirit in the same way he's prepared us. Notice Acts chapter one, verse eight. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, notice this word power. It's the same word dynamite. It, it means explosive, supernatural power will come upon you. And we see this on the day of Pentecost. And notice how he describes it when you receive you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is something God himself will do. That the disciples in the church would be passive in this move, this supernatural move of God. But notice he says, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now we have to remember, we talk about this a lot around here. The Holy Spirit, it's not just this force, this generic, abstract force. And, and it's not just a feeling. The Holy Spirit is a person. It, it's the personal presence of God that stands forth as his own distinct person in the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit's role is to carry out God's plan, to make Jesus king, to point to Jesus as God's power and authority and rule in the world. That is the Holy Spirit's role. That's who he is. That's what he does. And we see that the Spirit tells the story of Jesus coming in the whole Bible. The Spirit writes the Bible. The Spirit gives us the Word of God. And the Spirit is the one who unfolds this story in the world. And, and we see when Jesus comes into the world in flesh and blood, it is the Spirit who announces that here is God's King. We see this at Jesus' baptism. 
Jesus goes out to the Jordan and he is baptized by his cousin John down by the river. And when this happens, the spirit descends on him like a dove. And in that moment, the father says, this is my son. Now, what he's saying there is this is my king. The spirit announces that Jesus is God's king in the world. And then we see throughout Jesus's ministry that it is the spirit that, that gives us a window into the kingdom in the flesh and blood presence of Jesus. And he does it when Jesus talks. Jesus speaks. He, he, he speaks to those who are lame and those who are diseased and, and cells in their body. They, they stop attacking themselves and, and the curse of death that, that comes along with sickness is reversed in the bodies that Jesus speaks to. He speaks to lame folks who can't walk and joints and tendons that had never moved begin to creak and they are restored. He speaks to nature and it listens to him. The, 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 he stands on the side of a boat and there is wind and there is chaos and he speaks and it is calm. He speaks to his friend Lazarus in the grave and he comes forth and the spirit in all of that is giving us a window. The spirit is saying, look into this window. Look as Jesus, the king, does all of these things. And in this window, you see the kingdom of God at hand. The kingdom that will reverse sin and death in the world and make all things new. Here in flesh and blood is the kingdom. The kingdom is at hand in Jesus. And then in the book of Acts, we see the spirit doing the same thing. He's saying the king is at hand in the church. In Acts chapter 2, the spirit creates the church. People from every nation begin to hear the word of God in their own tongue and they believe and they are saved. And the gospel begins to spread around the world and folks gather as churches. And, and there's this move of the gospel and the spirit and all of that is saying, look, the kingdom is still at hand. Jesus, the king, is still present in his church. And the spirit has done the same for you and I, those of us who believe the gospel. We hear this story. Well, the spirit comes to us when we hear the story. Maybe you were at a Bible camp. Maybe you were at a tent revival. Maybe you were at a Wednesday night youth group meeting. Maybe you were reciting your Awana verses to your mom next to your bed one night before you went to sleep. Maybe you were watching a live stream. The, the spirit says you hear this story of the king. Here is the kingdom that you need. Look into this window. The, the, look into the window that is displayed for you in the gospel. And the spirit begins to, to, to change your heart. The spirit begins to open up the eyes of your heart that you would see Jesus as the only king who can take away your sin. That you would see Jesus as the only king who has been raised from the dead and he will raise you from the dead. And you begin to see his promise of eternal life as your only hope. And the spirit says to you, here is your king. Believe in him. The kingdom is at hand and you believe the gospel. But just as the spirit has announced to you that the kingdom is at hand. During this time of quarantine, the Spirit will announce to those around you that the kingdom is at hand. That's how the Spirit wants to use you. During this time, the Spirit wants to say in your life, look through this window of what the kingdom of God looks like. 
look into this person's life who has believed the gospel and they say they love Jesus and they're following Jesus and this is a very difficult time. But what the Spirit of God wants to say in your life is look through this window into the kingdom and you will see a kingdom in these people's lives that will reverse sin and death one day. A king that has come to forgive you of your sin that will raise you from the dead and give you an eternal kingdom. Look into the window of these people's lives scattered and quarantined all over Richmond, all over Madison County, and you will see the kingdom is at hand. As we, in the next few weeks, think about others more than we think about ourselves. You realize how hard that is to do now? Even just the way we're located. We've all gone back to our homes. And we're all alone and we're all isolated. You know how hard and difficult during this time it is to think about others? You're not even around others. And over time that's going to become even more difficult. But what the Spirit wants to say is look through the window of this person's life and see someone even in this very unique time. They All they think about is others. There's folks hoarding toilet paper. And you're taking your last roll of toilet paper. And you're giving it to your neighbor. You know, that's a supernatural work of the Spirit during this time. As others are anxious, you are supernaturally trusting a King who will reverse sin and death. As others are venting and fuming, you are praying and praising. Do you know how, you know how weird and awkward that is? And yet the Spirit is saying, look into these people's lives and see the kingdom. And notice, as we continue in the text, this is who we are to be, a sign of the kingdom by the power. It means to confess him before men as king, no matter what. You as, you as a believer, who have the Holy Spirit into death for saying Jesus is Lord, for preaching the gospel. And, and it's interesting that to begin with, the word martyr didn't mean to die for your faith. It only meant to witness your faith. But so many Christians throughout history have died witnessing for their faith that, that the word means martyr. We think about someone who has died for their faith. And so... What we see here is the believer by the Spirit has the power to say Jesus is Lord in the face of death. And that's what we see throughout the book of Acts. They witness the gospel in the face of death. That's what it means to be spirit filled is to give this verbal announcement in the face of death that Jesus is Lord. That's what it means to walk by the Spirit is to announce Jesus is king even in suffering. Witnesses stand trial to announce Jesus is Lord. And today, we are enduring a trial to say Jesus is Lord. We are witnesses in quarantine to say Jesus is Lord, not COVID-19. And I want to encourage you with that this week. I actually want to challenge you this week. Talk more about Jesus than you do the virus. Talk more about Jesus this week than you do the restrictions, the press conferences. Talk more about Jesus than you talk about anything else. That is why God has placed us in this situation of difficulty and circumstances. Not to say, Corona, where's the crown? Some of you may get that. 
But Jesus wears the eternal crown. That's why we're in this situation. And, and we must make the commitment to talk more about Jesus this week. To share the good news. You need to set your kids down this week. Because I know last week was fun. It's exciting. We don't have to go to school. We're out playing. But that's going to get more and more difficult as the week's going. They're going to miss their friends. They're going to miss their sports. There's going to be things that, that, that affect them in those ways. And you need to set your kids down and say, I know it's rough. But Jesus died for our sins. Jesus has been raised from the dead. You, you need to take opportunity during this time and talk to your coworkers who are broken. They're worried about their jobs. They're worried about their families. And you have been in that, been placed in that situation to directly speak the gospel. Make sure you're not catechizing your friends in worry and hopelessness during this time. Make sure you are the one giving hope. Make sure you are the one bringing good news when bad news is spinning all around. Small business owners who are losing everything they have. They are, they are in tears. Preach to them the good news that Jesus will wipe away every tear. That's why we're going through this. Not, not to give allegiance to sin and death. And not to talk about this virus and not to talk about the worst case scenario. We need to be aware and we need to be informed. But we certainly do not need to despair. And we don't preach despair during this time. We say, Jesus is Lord. I don't know how or when this will end. But I do know the end. And his name is Jesus. And we preach the gospel during this time. But notice where we do it. Notice he says in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is his plan to take the gospel from Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And he does it through the disciples. He does it through the church, empowering them by the spirit to witness and announce the king. To say to the world, if you submit to this Middle Eastern Jewish king and you believe in his perfect life and you trust in his death in your place, you can be forgiven of your sin and you can enter into his kingdom. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And we see in the book of Acts, it begins in Jerusalem, the city of the Jewish king. This is where they killed him. Then it moves to Judea. The territory of the king. We've even talked about that in 1 Samuel. These Judean territories that David ruled over. The gospel spreads throughout the region and territory of the king. It even moves into Samaria. This place of voodoo, outcast, paganism. These cities that were marred in wickedness. The gospel moves into that territory. We see at the end of the book of Acts, it, it ends up in Rome. Do you know how it ends up in Rome? You know how the gospel gets to Rome in the book of Acts? On a prison ship. The apostle Paul in chains. And as he, as he writes letters to the Romans, as he writes letters to the churches, he had shackles on his wrist that he would look down and see over and over. And that's why he doesn't, that, that's why the book of Acts doesn't end in chapter 28. Because Luke wants us to know that even though witnesses are chained, the gospel is never chained. And the gospel continues to move. And that's why it's here in Richmond today. But you know, in, in chapter 8 of the book of Acts, 
You know how the gospel moves out from Jerusalem and Judea? It does so through persecution. The, the persecution becomes so bad in Jerusalem and Judea that the church has to flee to these places. Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And, and, and yet we see the gospel continues to move forward. And we've seen throughout history, that's how the gospel moves forward. When we see persecution and we see suffering, when Satan tries to stamp out the gospel, it only continues to spread like wildfire. And the same will be so in Richmond and Madison County in these days. Well, Satan tries to stamp out the gospel by quarantining his witnesses here. What we'll see is the gospel will only spread further. What Satan, sin, and sickness mean for evil in these moments, God will use for gospel. The gospel will not be quarantined. And I believe in these days, it will only spread further. And I can assure you that the gospel of Jesus Christ will be around way longer than this virus. The gospel, it doesn't go away and it only continues to spread. It is eternal. It is our only hope. And God has quarantined us in this time not to spread a virus, but to spread the gospel. This quarantine is by his design. Just like persecution and suffering and imprisonment throughout the history of the church, these moments are by God's design for us to witness the gospel. And just like the church has been forced into places that maybe it wouldn't go without persecution, maybe that's the case for you. Maybe you are forced to be home more during this time because your home needs the gospel. Dads, maybe you're around your kids a lot more now because your kids need the gospel. Moms, maybe you're, you're around your kids more now because your kids need the gospel. Maybe some of us, teachers, maybe you're going to be in empty school buildings with your co-workers during this time without the hundreds of kids that you love so much that you're already missing so much. But maybe you're in those moments seven feet apart or six, whatever it is. So you can speak the gospel to that co-worker without distraction. They can't get away from you. You're in a, a building all alone with them. Maybe that's where God has put you. Medical folks, folks in the medical field, healthcare during this time. You have an amazing opportunity. The, the, the folks that you work with, that they are worried, they are anxious. That they're worried how they're going to handle this crisis. They're wondering what's coming. And you have an opportunity to speak the gospel. God's put you in that moment for the sake of the gospel. We're going to be in our neighborhoods more to speak the gospel. Maybe during this time, you would look around and say, I have gospel opportunities during these weeks and months that I would never have before. And by the power of the Spirit, you would say, I may be quarantined, but the gospel will never be quarantined. God has placed you right where you are in these moments to witness the gospel. You are filled with His Spirit to signal the kingdom. You, you are standing trial in a time of suffering to say Jesus is Lord. You are right where God wants you. Church, what better time to be a church?